space. Well, not really. Take two. Here, in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best things as the neutral zone. And we are back again. Welcome to the new, the exciting uh, Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Network. Uh, I am your humble servant, uh, Trek Master of Western Michigan, Charlie Carden. Uh, and I'm coming to you with something a little different this week. Now, on last week's episode, we did have uh, Aaron uh, joining us from USS Nomad in Starfleet International. Um, but uh, my co-host, Alex, has kind of moved on to greener pastures. He's, uh, he, he's bowed out from doing the podcast, and I wish him well. Um, so Aaron, along with this other gentleman I'm going to bring in, are going to be our rotating co-hosts for the program. So I would like to introduce you again to Aaron. Aaron, say hello again, please. Hey, everybody. And then I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman that I've worked with uh, a couple of different times. He's been over on Secret Friends uh, Unite with uh, Todd and I twice, I believe, and I have been uh, on his wonderful Star Wars podcast, Great Disturbances, once. Going to be on there actually again in the upcoming uh, week or so. Everybody say hello to uh, the new Trek dude in Minnesota, uh, Mr. Rich Davenport. Rich, good afternoon. How's it going? It's going, man. All it's right. A good, it's a beautiful sunny Sunday here in Michigan. So yeah, now we're uh, now we're a, a tri-state experience because uh, Aaron, you're down there in. Uh, Pennsylvania. I'm here in Michigan, and Rich is out in Minnesota. Uh, all places where it's generally pretty cold this time of the year sometimes, but we're starting to come into the light. So, um, yeah, but you guys, thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to uh, having you guys uh, being a part of the show. And again, uh, Rich and Aaron will continue to rotate. The, one of them will be on with me regularly uh, every every generally every other week, but it'll vary a little bit. But for our special episodes where we talk about one of the Star Trek movies, or we're talking about a Star Trek comic, and then when we get some premieres and season premieres and series premieres later this year, which is the word, um, we will be on the three of us together. So, uh, at any rate, we are jumping into uh, continuing our breakdown of the first seasons of the classic. Star Trek series. We've been through season one of TNG, which was difficult. Uh, we've been through season one of D, uh, season one of TNG. Yeah, we've been through CS uh, season one of DS9, which was slightly less difficult. I don't know, Aaron. We're, Aaron and I were talking about that that last half of of DS9 season one last week, and and there were there were some bright spots. I would say more than what we're going to cover today. I would say. <laughs> I think today might be a little rough, but in what we are referring to uh, is the January 1995 uh, premiere of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, this takes the format, we're about uh, six months after the end of Star Trek The Next Generation, which was a sh quote-unquote show-based uh, Star Trek show. Uh, Deep Space Nine has now, at this point, now been running for three and a half seasons. Uh, they finally got their own ship uh, in the form of the Defiant at the beginning of season three. So they're getting out and about, but a lot of it is still stationary, for lack of a better term. Uh, but this puts us back on a, uh, a starship kind of full tilt uh, with a twist, which we'll get into. So uh, guys, I uh, much like with the other ones, I'm going to kind of onesie twosie. I'm going to read the. Re I'm going to have one of you guys read the recap. Um, I'll jump in and do some commenting. 
uh, and then we'll have a little back and forth and we'll kind of move on. So uh, the first episode of the series bowed on January uh, 16, uh, 1995. Rich, if you are looking, uh, why don't you read that summary for us? The summary for Caretaker. While searching for a missing Maquis ship with a Starfleet spy aboard, USS Voyager is swept away to the Delta Quadrant more than 70,000 light years from home by an incredibly powerful being known as the Caretaker. So dramatic. It sounds so very, dramatic. It sounds very ominous when you say it that way. It does. Yeah. It the, does. Care, the caretaker. <laughs> um, I know that just in my conversation with Aaron in the last couple of days that that we're not we're, we're not we're not really winding up for a very fun, exciting like oh my god I love all these episodes they're so great. <laughs> of, of the eight that we're going to talk about, I, I will doubtlessly say that that I liked this premiere. Um, I, I like the characters. I like that that we're kind of setting it up for. A different group. I mean, half of the cast are are you know rebel outlaws, the Maquis. So we've got uh, you know Chakotay, who's the head guy. Uh, his engineer is Blana Torres. She's half Klingon. Um, he appear to have a, a, a Vulcan in the mix. He's a spy. We find out quite quickly that he works for our protagonist, which is Captain Janeway. But her first scene is she goes to a Federation penal colony to enlist the help of another criminal, which is a uh, basically down on his luck, basically snotty rich kid. Uh, Tom Paris. Um, you get the wet behind the ears, doesn't know shit about shit ensign, Harry Kim. Uh, and then we end up with a pair of weirdo aliens, Neelix and Kess, once we actually get to the Delta Quadrant. It's probably, you know, kind of like with DS9, it's a very eclectic mix of characters. Um, you jump in, you know, you have your, um, you know, basically moral quandary well hey if we you know to get ourselves home we might we might and again it's a might they never know they're like oh we can definitely get home if we take this alien technology at the end but they don't they destroy it instead and they strand themselves so they kind of set the the tone for the series so i mean i liked it i thought i thought it was good i thought there were some key moments um but it's really downhill from here i'm not gonna lie to you um (laughs) so uh top off the key aaron your thoughts about this episode I want to know why the caretaker decided to put them in like a farm setting with like a picnic. Great <laughs> question. Like, I like why do they think that they that's where they want to be? I I mean where where else do you think they would want to be? Like if you were to pick other options of like a like a holodeckish kind of spot where they want to be? Like well, some sort of futuristic like goth club? I don't oh, know right. anywhere. Like the beginning of Blade, that would have been pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, it would have been futuristic, not like, hey, let's go hang out on this farm and hang out with animals and have a picnic. That's so weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't disagree. I can't disagree. Uh, what else? You? What, what else? What's something else that you actually enjoyed? Anything? Are we are we scraping the bottom of the barrel there? Um, I I wanted to say when I first saw it, I realized how young Tom Paris looks, and he looks almost just like he did when he was on TNG as that similar character. Right, exactly. Which I know there's a lot of background information about, yeah, we we're going to bring this guy in, but we made him kind of the same. And the irony is, is that in the season, I'm going to say six episode of the series, when when Voyager does make contact with home and, and they're, they they play it from the other end of it, so they have you know original Barkley working on the Pathfinder project, and the guy in charge of it is Owen Paris, who is Tom Paris's dad, when... It, uh, Barkley goes to visit him at his office and, and Paris is sitting at his desk. He has that photo of Nick Locarno on his desk. 
but yeah. it's obviously not hers. So a, ni- a nice little nod and a wink, I think. So. Um, also, the Janeway hair. It, it was one of my favorite bad hairstyles that she had. Right. Oh, right from the top. The yep. coil, the coils, and the in the the volume. It kind of looked like it was like a heart shaped rock on top of yeah. her head, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rich, how about you? Uh, I think probably the only thing that I liked about this this premiere is that we get to uh, we get to meet some of my favorite characters. One of which is the uh, the doctor, the holographic right. doctor. He comes so later, good. but he is he is um, he is definitely one of my favorite characters. And Harry Kim, poor beleaguered Harry Kim. Um, <laughs> he does. He is. He's the Jordy of the show because you know on <laughs> Jordy is always being kidnapped, tortured used for something so yeah harry kim like right from the beginning he's getting stabbed and he, they give him an alien <laughs> virus or whatever so it's really yeah. setting him up to just be the, the just the, for the nut kicking that he just gets for the rest of the series so yeah start it out right do it the right way that's right <laughs> oh my gosh any final thoughts before we move on guys nope i'm I, ready all I right love, cool. i love the uh, i love the theme song the uh, the theme music i do too oh i was just talking to somebody about that last night i do i love it yeah I tell you, and it's funny because the um, the intros to these are so long, and the only thing I'm trying to convert entirely to watching them just on Paramount Plus because I'm like, want to support the brand, want to support the brand. But over on Netflix, you can do skip intro, and with this, you have to try to skim through it or watch it, and it's so long. Both this and DS9, you know, DS9 <laughs> is just it's so slow, and look, we're moving through space, but boy, we're doing it slowly. So. <laughs> Little small, little small things. So, uh, Aaron, episode th- because this was episodes one and two. Let's move on to episode three, Parallax. Parallax. I'm going to try to do what Rich did. Oops. Voyager is trapped in a quantum singularity event horizon, and Captain Janeway must decide between Lieutenant Carey and former Maquis Bailana Torres to be the new chief engineer. Quite a Sophie's choice. Oh my goodness. Um, I was not so, as good as Rich. No, well, you know what? It's it's all about practice. It's 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 not a contest. I'll you work just, on it. You just be the best Aaron that you can be, and I think you're doing okay. There's big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Um, but at any rate, uh, this episode, you know, I, it's still said it's it's not even really character development for Blana Torres because she had a little bit to do in the premiere because she was stranded. Uh, you know, with that weird alien disease in the in the the Ocampa hospital in the first episode, and she and Harry Kim had to escape, blah, blah, blah. So you learn a little bit about her at this time, but this is the real, you know, fully fleshed out, I'm pissed off and angry, but I'm super talented, but moreover than that, I'm super pissed off and angry. And so it's the beginning of her really connecting with Janeway. Uh, you see poor Lieutenant Carey, who makes two or three appearances in this first season, and then, I shit you not, nothing until season seven, he shows up in one episode so that he can be the red shirt. He gets killed off. Yeah, I that, knew when I saw him in that episode for the first time. I'm like, yeah, it's oh, his time to die. It's what's he's the gonna hell die in this one. Yeah. What's this guy been doing for six years? He's he's you know he's scrubbing condo. He works on the impulse engineering deck. I mean, the guy's just doing jack shit. So, uh, Rich, your thoughts about the episode? Uh, this one nearly put me to sleep, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do I do appreciate that they're taking the time to work with Janeway and uh and Torres's relationship because that's going to come into play later you know they right. they you know so they're laying the groundwork but boy is it boring wow yeah, the, wow time. my god Aaron 
I actually fell asleep twice trying to watch it. <laughs> so I'm with Rich, but um, I did really like the dynamic between um, Chakotay and Janeway um, where he's upset with her and he kind of has to like reason with her. And then you can see the moment where he and she kind of respect each other and then they can move forward and work well together. I like how that was written. Um, I did notice a couple of continuity issues that bothered me really bad. It hit me with it. You you know I'm the continuity. Does it have something to do with rank pips, or is that later on? Okay, I am going to mention that one. But first, Seska is wearing a blue uniform at the engineering station. No, I, I did notice they changed her out. I wonder, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how those things change so arbitrarily. Because, yeah, she bounces around. Later, she's the transporter chief, but she is wearing a gold uniform. So, yeah, I don't know. The, you know, the replicator wasn't working right that day, but, yeah, that's annoying. But uh, the, the other one was Tuvok's Pips. He is the lieutenant commander. Correct. Pips, yep. but he's only a lieutenant until later. So that yeah, also, they, yeah. but that's ongoing throughout right. this. That doesn't get fixed until we're into the back half of the season because April and I uh, just watched those because she's going to. My wife is going to be in our next episode. Uh, she and I are going to break that down. I thought I would. I thought I would give her a, a, a swift introduction to the world of podcasting because I know she doesn't listen to this, this show, but now she'll have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and the same thing with Tom Paris. He's a full lieutenant until a couple episodes down the line that he goes down to uh, lieutenant junior grade, so he gets a half a pip. So I don't know. I you know what? It seems like it would be the simplest system in the world. To have everybody's ranks consistent because they're just little dots, doot, 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 and, and you don't <laughs> change them. But I don't know. You know, you, go, you take them, you go to the dry cleaner, you take the pips off. I guess it's it's just absolute pandemonium. So, oh, uh, well, moving on to episode four. This is, uh, again, not a winner, um, but it's no, uh, not at uh, all. Rich, Oof. you're up. This, this is yours. Oh, this one's me? Okay. Investigating a planet just devastated by a polaric explosion, Janeway and Paris are engulfed in a subspace fracture and transported in time before the accident, or two before the accident. Ah, I screwed that up. Ah, how could you? <laughs> you did great. And unfortunately for you, we don't edit on this show, so it's stuck, oh, no. with, you for, it's stuck with you forever. Um, total, I mean, even everything about the alien culture annoys me. They have weird clocks. They all wear the same weird outfit. They talk strange. They kind of they all have like '90s hair where it's like super poofy. Uh, so and but yeah, they're like blah blah blah. You came from Kalto Province, and I work on my school paper and did, like that little kid. Oh, I wanted to you know if you ever really wanted to punch a child, it was it was <laughs> for me early on. It was that. It just what an obnoxious kid. So yeah, annoying planet. Uh, you get a you get a little peek through of this of Kess's. Uh, um, kind of, you know, you know, because she later turns into like Phoenix from the X Men. You know, she her powers get like super dangerous in in an episode of season two. But you get your first peek of this. But you know, overall, kind of a irrelevant episode, I think. But you know, they were trying. But again, uh, you know, you look at you look at a lot, and I think we ran into this maybe in I think in TNG season one. But I think we talked about it, Aaron, maybe uh, talking about DS Nine season one. But all the, the the all the episodes were written by different people. So there just is no, there's no great through line for here's where we're going and we're trying to accomplish this thing and that thing. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Aaron, I think you're up next. Uh, they had very, very bad outfits in this episode. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I wrote a couple things down about uh, Janeway dismissing the Prime Directive kind of for the first time, but you don't really blame her or... You never really blame her for it because she's stranded in the Delta Quadrant. But this was the first one where she really had to 
think about the prime directive and be like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go with it. Nope. Hard. No. How about you, Rich? I, you know, um, it strikes me as a little strange because later she's going to start preaching the how they've got to respect the prime directive when it comes to another episode later on. So she's kind of off and on with that, isn't she? I mean, oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, the great news is that this entire episode is erased. I mean, it's bookended by that sequence on the ship where you know, where uh, Tom Paris is talking to Harry Kim saying, hey, forget about your girl. Slut around. Let's oh, all be right. slutty on the ship. It's only the 150 <laughs> of us. That won't oh, backfire yeah. if you sleep they with mentioned... whoever you want. Yeah. They mentioned the Delaney sisters for the first right. time on this Correct. one. Correct. Yeah. And the, the Delaney sisters, I don't know that they ever get seen, but it's kind of hinted at of all. Because, again, there, there, there was a website I followed years ago that was like background characters of Voyager because there was only, you know, 152 people to start. And, and that number went up and went down every so often. But you, there's one you website. You the Delaney sisters. And, and an actual like, like, like you actually end up. I, I'm not sure that you do. You do. They. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think they take them on one of those uh, Bride of Chaotica type. Oh, you're on right. a date. Oh, you're abs- and they're actual twins. <laughs> so that was uh, they're, they're they're biological twins. Yeah, you got me there. I forgot about that one. Damn. Put in sorry. my place. No, don't be sorry. Be 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 proud. You you bested the 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 very arrogant trivia king of Region 13. So good job. <laughs> I'm I impressed. You will savor it. So, uh, did we? Uh, did we? Uh, we got. We got sidetracked there. Or did everybody speak? Are we moving on? Yeah, I'm good. I'm right, good. Cool. Episode five is phage. And Rich, it's your turn. I think. My no, turn? it's Aaron. It's That's Aaron. Aaron. Oh, okay. Yeah. My okay. bad. An organ harvesting species known as the Vidian steal Neelix's lungs, leaving him to die. Aw, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You're like, you can't see it, but I'm, I'm shrugging my shoulders so hard I might throw something out. Um, again, you know, if, you're, if your crewman in peril is Neelix, who gives a shit? But the Vidians is a race, and they're medical. T- I, I dig them. I dig them. But the, the issue with not only this species of aliens, but really anyone that they run, they run into, is that they're traveling in such a way that they'll leave, they'll ostensibly leave the area where any alien really is so it's hard to have something that's necessarily ongoing um but uh yeah the vidians are great they have absolutely no morality they have a single focus of hey we got to stay alive but this this is eating us alive and so we're going to do anything that we can to keep our civilization alive so somebody happens by and i need his liver cool i need his face i need his ears i need his whatever i'm just going to take it they're going to die but it's cool because we're not morally ambiguous we're just not moral at all we just don't care. Um, and I found that to be totally like, wow, there's a there's an alien species that has zero moral center. I thought it was uh, I thought that was really very different. I kind of dug it. But again, give me a crew member that I give a shit about if they're going to die. And it's not Neelix. <laughs> yeah, me either. Yeah, Neelix is quite annoying. Exactly. He's the he is the cannon fodder upon cannon fodder. So guys, other thoughts about this one? Did anybody else get reminded of Spock's brain? Yeah. <laughs> Spock, yeah. Uh, lungs. Uh, the, yeah. I was going to say S- Spock's brain still a better episode, even though it is literally the worst episode of TOS in my opinion. <laughs> uh, so uh, other thoughts? Not so much. Uh, is this? I'm oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask. I can't remember for sure, but 
is this the episode where Kess starts talking to the doctor and uh, and and starts to kind of form yes. a bond with him? Yeah, yeah, and she, and yeah. She volunteers to become the nurse because Tom right. Paris was in, was up until then and he sucks at it. So yeah, this yeah. is. <laughs> Well, it gave her a job where, you know, she had a critical job where Neelix was the cook, which was always kind of dubious. And then he was the morale officer, which sounds like, sounds like bullshit. That sounds like some, you know, it's <laughs> even worse than Counselor Troy's like, tell me how that makes you feel. Kind of the same thing. I do have another thought. I just thought of it yes, when please. you said that. Why does why does the captain have a private dining room? <laughs> because it's because it's a small ship. I don't know. Especially on a ship that small, though. Right, that's what I'm well, saying. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, because he was a think, waste of space. And it was literally described. There was it was described in the Doctor in one episode that that Voyager itself had 256 rooms, which sounds like a super small number when you think about how big the Enterprise D was. And there was a thousand people on board. With this, there's 150. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. They could have said she could have walked in and said, "Oh, this cabin is designated as the." Captain Storage Locker B, or it's this is the maintenance room or something. Yeah, you're right. So a, a private dining room sounds kind of weird. So you're right. Good catch. And I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily thought about it that way. So not bad. All right, episode six. We are almost done here. My God, fly. We we flew through making fun of these pretty quickly, uh, <laughs> and, and we're going to do it again. Episode six is called The Cloud. So I think Rich, this is you. I think. I think so. Yeah. Okay. The the crew enter a nebula to collect samples before realizing it's a living organism, but not before injuring it. They oh, like who gives, who gives a shit? <laughs> like <laughs> oh my god, yeah, exactly. It's like you know, it was um, it was funny because uh, Rich, you know Todd, uh, who yeah. I do SFU with. This was we met. Uh, this was early '95. We met in the fall of '95 because he, we both went to Michigan State. He lived in a different dorm as freshman, or maybe a sophomore year was his junior year when we met because he moved to the dorm where I lived. And his best buddy and myself both worked at the hall. I worked at the desk, and then his best buddy was our, our the our resident assistant on the floor. And so he was Todd was his suite mate, and that's how they. So Todd showed that's how I met him, and so that's how Todd and I became best buddies. He loved to make fun of Voyager because he said the worst enemy of Voyager ever was always a space anomaly. And this first half of the season definitely illustrates that. They're always running into some weird bullshit that it's like, oh, there's your cloud, and we're going to do and, and collect it. Why are they collecting samples? Is it for something useful? Were they trying to find more dilithium or more, you know, more something, you know, more uh, deuterium to power the ship or. I don't even remember what they were, what, why they would bother to go in there, and then it was they made a whole episode out of it. So it's like <laughs> that, that there. That's my analysis. A raspberry. This you'll is a raspberry. Love, you'll love mine. It says boo, and I've got nothing. Oh, okay, great. We're <laughs> gonna make this real easy. Rich, take us home. What, I, what, you, what's, what's I, I got nothing. This one was just abs- completely completely absurd. But the thing that kills me about these first like handful of episodes is they try to go as weird as possible because it's the Delta quadrant. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but as weird as you can possibly get. And this is what we end up with. We end up with things like a living cloud and oh my gosh, it's so bad. I, <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, what? Let's move what? on. Cause yeah, this next please. one is really good. Yes, He's exactly. Correct. So yeah, Aaron, go ahead. This one's you. All right. I have the needle. Um, a micro wormhole is discovered that leads to the Alpha Quadrant, and the crew make contact with a Romulan ship on the other side. I love it. Great Me twist. Too. Yeah, yeah, great twist. Kind of gives uh, 
gives our crew a uh, first glimpse of hope and only took seven episodes of com- almost complete irrelevancy for them to get there. Like, let's do this irrelevant thing. Let's move on and do this other irrelevant thing. Now they have their first like, oh, there's there's a way that, you know, wormholes can have some tie to the past. Uh, unfortunately, in what turns out to be a never ending streak of bad luck for our crew, it turns out that this guy uh, is 20 years in the past. It's not only a, it's a, it's a rip in the space time continuum is what this wormhole is. So uh, this guy, yeah, he's a Romulan scientist. He's on a mission and he happens to pass by, uh, but they're able to beam him onto the ship, which is totally insane. And they're able to meet him and then they beam him back. And then Tuvok has the big, you know, slide whistle at the end says, you know, I didn't want to mention this while the guy was here, but uh, not only is he from 20 years in the past, but he also died four years ago. So we gave him a bunch of messages, but, um, what's funny, what's funny about that is that there was, I was reading an article some years back about, you know, scrapped B stories from DS9 and there was a scrapped B story where somebody was trying to sell Quark some junk. And one of the items of junk was the data card that had those messages on them. And they, they, they looked at that. The pe- people said, yeah, you know, that's not bad, but the people haven't seen the Voyager episode it won't really mean anything. So they scrapped it, but I think it would have been uh. cool. Yeah, I didn't even know about that because I even wrote down, we know that Starfleet never got the crew's letters after seeing the whole series. Right, exactly. And you got to remember that 20 years prior uh, that Starfleet and the Romulans had not had any kind of communication in about 70 years prior because there was what was described as the Tomed incident in the early 24th century. And then there was this huge long Cold War where they never spoke to each other. And it wasn't until the end of the first season of TNG that we meet our first Romulan, who was, of course, the same actor who played Gold Ducat, Mark Limo. Haha, little, little trivia trivia for you. But yeah, great episode. Absolutely adored it. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts, please? I don't really have many. I, I think he's the most likable Romulan character I ever met, but um, I just I just enjoyed it. I watched it. I enjoyed it. I don't have much to say about it. We did talk about it earlier in our group chat when we're like, oh, we're going to do the first half of the season, and this is the episode we all said we loved. Yeah. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. All right. And speaking uh, of going out with a whimper, not a bang, uh, episode eight is... <laughs> Uh, ex post facto. Rich, this one is yours. Oh, before we jump into that, can I just say a couple things about uh, Eye oh, of the Needle my bad. here? Yeah, That's okay. Yeah, Sorry. I know, bad. you're so excited about the episode. I, I'd love <laughs> to hear what you have to say. Okay, well, there's a couple of big things that happen that I absolutely love. The first one is, of course, the Doctor uh, kind of comes into his own a little bit. And, oh, yeah. And we start to see this idea that, that even though he's just a hologram, he's a... A, a being right he's a he's he has it's kind of that data thing right where um where you can kind of make the argument that because he you know has feelings he you know could be considered well, data you know. doesn't have feelings though but the doctor definitely does right right sorry yeah i should make that 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 uh, delineation but there's there was there's always that argument on tng as to whether or not data is uh, a person, right? right? This is the same type of thing with Voyager, but with the, it's, it's so astonishing that they're doing this with an AI, with a holograph, holographic AI, right. is is just really astonishing to me. I love that, and I love those developments that they're going to get f- with that. Uh, the other thing that I love is that they they deal very very well with what it's like to be that far away. Now I watch Discovery, and they get shunted into the into the future. Um, spoiler alert. And, um, <laughs> it's okay. I okay. think we know <laughs> All right. just for anybody that might be listening. Um, 
but and I feel like they've dealt with it in a different way than what what you know this 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 disjointed nature of their life now. You know, these guys are so far away; they may never get home, they may never see people that they love again. The same thing happens with Discovery, but I feel like this episode handled it really, really in a really, really classy way. The you could see the pain on their faces when they realize that they're not going to get their letters read. That right. you know, you know what I mean. Like it, it just gave it gave the whole crew an air of humanity that was kind of missing in the last few episodes. Right. Yeah, I, it sure yeah. did. I hear. Yeah, you're right. It was a it was a desert, and with this, you finally reach an oasis yeah. uh, of of something that is you know quality storytelling not only for Star Trek in general, but just for you know something that could really help you as a viewer empathize with what this would really feel like if you're like this is our whole life, like like Battlestar Galactica, you know, which I was started watching with a friend recently who'd never seen it before. It was like you know. You, there is, you know, we hope there's something beyond what we have here, but for now we're stuck here. We're trying to survive, uh, and it's just, it's just tough and miserable. And we get a respite. We think things are going to work out, and then they get yanked away from us again. So guess what, Voyager crew, get used to it because it keeps happening, <laughs> <laughs> and it gets, it just gets worse and worse. So, uh, all right, so let's, uh, let's swing to the grumbling, the grinding halt of this eight, this eight pack uh, with episode eight. <laughs> All right, so it's called Ex Post Facto. Tom Paris is convicted of murder on an alien world, and his punishment is to witness the murder from the victim's perspective every 14 hours. <laughs> you know, I'll give you the pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing all the slam dunks here. I don't want to do it again. Go ahead. <laughs> I just, this is the goofiest thing. Uh, I, like, like, okay. How did they implant these memories? First of all, uh, he's a human. How did it even work? They they get away with not showing you any kind of mechanical device that does it. <laughs> yeah. Right. They just say it happened. Right. It, look, it happened. Deal with it. You oh. deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um so yeah, so I, yeah, something redeemable from this, I guess, is that um you get to see Tuvok kind of do his thing. You know, he's a crack investigator, kind of the same way that Odo is. You know, Odo always kind of gets his man. He always kind of gets to the bottom of it. Uh, and, you know, Tuvok is so unflappable that he's a great, you know, Batman-like kind of character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he's always going to get to the bottom of it without emotion. So, yeah, he kind of hacked away at it. The the romance aspect with Tom Paris and whatever the hell the woman's name was was like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he was like... Uh, it's it, it just seemed very faux, I guess is the the best way to put it together. But it was a quasi interesting punishment, I guess. Yeah. But it's like th- that's the punishment, but the people don't get locked up, so couldn't they just go commit some other crime somewhere? I mean, how is it really like? Oh, your punishment for life is you're going to see how the person you killed get died. Well, if the person is a hardened psychopath anyway. Is that really punishment? They probably don't care. Uh, they're just going to go out. Well, I guess I'll just go murder some more people then. It just it just doesn't really seem to to work as a deterrent for people to continue to go commit crimes. I guess I don't know, but it's why weird. Did they, why did they give this episode to Lavar Burton to direct? I mean, they could have given him any other ones. This one's so bad. <laughs> you know, the, the 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 worst answer to that is what, what if this was one of the better ones they had? That's what's kind of scary. Ooh. The one right before it was way better. I know, and who directed that? Probably, probably nobody. Uh, well, Winrich uh, Colby, who's a, who was a regular regular part of their their 
stable a director. So, and a talented guy. He did some good stuff. So, yeah, I agree with you, Lavar. Yeah, if you're gonna give, you know, somebody a high profile director who's you know former cast member an episode, don't don't give him a stinker. I totally agree. <laughs> or maybe they gave it to him because this episode reminded me a lot of um, the Next Generation Matter of Perspective. Yes. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is what I saw. Well, this is what I saw. Or, you know, poor Jordy and the, 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 uh, not the frame of, not the frame of mind, the one where, you know, the Romulans grabbed him and they, they were controlling his visor to. Oh, do yeah. Something. I have yeah. my drawing a blank. I always remember episode names. Mind's Eye. Oh, Mind's yeah, Eye. that's right. End, end of season four. So, uh, so that takes us to the, to the end of the first half. Uh, if oh, we wait, were wait, to... wait. Oh, one wait. More. Yes. Please. Yes. One please. more. They had a dog in it, a chihuahua. And it looks like they literally teased its hair. <laughs> I just want to point that out. And that's all I've got. Suppose <laughs> they could have just strapped a horn on it for crying out loud. Well, you know what? One, uh, you know what? Maybe it's one too many times to the well. You know, yeah. they, didn't, they don't want to. Bu- maybe they wanted to save that old chestnut for somewhere down the road. So, why, all right. Why, why did these? Why did these alien world dwellers? I forget their name, but why did they call it a dog? Uh, Universal Translator. Oh, I suppose Universal Translator. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's really the answer to anything, you know. Yeah, what yeah. about hey. Universal, Universal Translator? Oh my God! All right, so that wraps up the eight pack. Uh, you know, and I guess we haven't done this before, but we're also down of it. Scale of one to ten for the half season. Aaron. Two. Oh God! Ouch. Rich. I'm gonna give it a two, probably two and a half, just because oh. of that episode seven. Uh, I, I liked the finale, or I liked the premiere, and I liked episode seven. So I get maybe I'll try to go with a four. That's probably real generous, but again, That's you know, super like generous. Yeah, you know. I, I gave it two points per episode that I liked. Okay, <laughs> well then I would have to also yeah okay so two points per episode I like so the premiere yeah okay good enough you guys hated it more than me that's all that matters moving on uh, two news stories this week we got some good stuff going on uh, one of them is actually this documentary about Voyager that's kind of been making the rounds uh, crowdfunding goals uh, have now been announced to extend. Uh, the original goal of just getting it made in the first place. Uh, and this would make our very own Todd Oxford very proud that they're going to move some of the footage into high definition, which is great because it's, it's, it's well known that there was enough interest back in the days of uh, Blu-ray sales to spend the millions of dollars to pump uh, HD remastering into the original series to put it into the next generation and then star trek enterprise had been shot pretty much in hd or pretty close to what what, what accounted for it so that it looked pretty sharp but ds9 and voyager look awful because their standard <laughs> definition uh they didn't ever really feel you know it, it really came to a point where now now disc sales are relevant because everything is streaming or whatever it is they just don't feel like there's there's a monetary gain just to, to spend that money and particularly with ds9 what i've always read is that because Later seasons of the show were so heavy uh, with the practical effects because things had really gone to CGI with all of the ship battles and the Dominion War that to try to rebuild that would just send the cost through the stratosphere. And they just didn't ever think that they could do it. But the DS9 documentary that came out a couple of years ago, or maybe it was just last year, I don't know. Time is kind of a quagmire uh, after 2020, uh, did nicely restore a lot of the uh, a lot of those great ship battles in HD. So they, there is a way to do it. Um, but anyway, looking at this article, uh, they said, yeah, the 
the the goals were broken, uh, and it said here that another stretch goal is finally announced intention to include footage from Voyager remastered into HD, and they they show some samples, um, and it's saying here that if they reach you know 825, that would be enough to do some, uh, and if they hit I think 900 or a million, they should be able to do all of the footage that they want to do. So that yeah exactly stretch goal is exclusive, never be seen. Voyager surprise. That's the stretch goal of a million dollars. But once they hit their 900, they should be able to uh, remaster all shown footage seen. So that sounds pretty spectacular. Um, because, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but those early seasons of DS9, so grainy, so tough to watch. And this season, this first season of Voyager, the, the footage seems brighter. And I don't know it's because so much of DS9 is dark and foreboding because they're on the Cardassian station and nobody pays the light bill and whereas Starfleet likes to really, you know, pump in the fluorescent lights, things are brighter in the first place, but still really choppy. So, um, I mean, I'm really excited to see this doc without a doubt, but I'm even more excited, you know, to see HD footage and just would want to think that it leads to better things, but I don't know that they could ever crowdfund enough money to redo the whole 170 no, It's episodes. not possible. I actually read on the Delta flyers, uh, that podcast, their Facebook page yesterday broken down as to why it can't happen. And um, chiming in were the partner of um, what's the guy who played Harry Kim's name? It's I'm blanking oh, on it right now. Garrett uh, Wang. Yeah, Garrett, Garrett Wang. Um, yeah, he's talking about it. And it's actually his name's Garrett Wong. Yes, that is correct. Oh, sorry. Uh, spelled, anyway, spelled Wang, pronounced Wong. Correct. They they kind of break down why it will never happen. They can't redo, they can't redo it in HD. They can take clips because it's not that expensive. Right. But they're not going to be able to do the whole thing. Right. Right. You know, and even Voyager because it wrapped up in 2001, so they were getting to the point that I believe in the last couple of seasons, a lot of newer shots of the ship that they did were were CGI models. But boy, when they started. Um, and, and when DS9 wrapped up in 1999, for example, there was there was no way to really pull any of that off. So this is exciting, and I would imagine if this is being produced, we could we'll probably see this. I don't know, 12 months from now. Um, but I like this, and it, you know, and it, and it fills me with some hope. Some is kind of better than none, right? To yeah. get things to get things cleaned up. So, um, so yeah. Uh, any additional thoughts? No, I'm ready to move on to the kitty. The kitty. <laughs> I assume it sounds like everybody is caught up on uh, Discovery. I know, Rich, you said that you were you were talking about season three. But, yes, yep. moving on to merchandising. I've been enjoying uh, the the releases uh, on audiobook, really, myself, of uh, more reasons like the Picard novels and stuff like this. But season three of Discovery gave us Grudge the Cat. And they were actually talking about this on uh, TrekMovie.com podcast, which is the source here and which is the one I kind of referred you guys to. Um, but this was the companion of uh, – book who became the love interest of our own michael burnham um but this is going to be and this is funny rich it makes me think about it and i know you gave me a shout out on your show last week uh <laughs> over there uh about because i've been reading the empire strikes back uh 40th anniversary from a certain point of view yep. which aaron aaron if you're not familiar with it uh, both with the empire strikes back and, and a new hope uh, there were there was uh, an anthology released with the 40th anniversary year of each one of those where they had like 30 or 40 little vignette stories just told from a minor character you never saw or some weird little detail that you couldn't possibly imagine uh, and, and these little in these little chapter book stories. Um, and I, I've been doing the Empire Strikes Back one, and there was one about how uh, 
the the admiral who Vader chokes at the beginning, what he's thinking about as he's dying. <laughs> oh, and that's a whole story. And the other great one, and that's what kind of syncs up with this, is that there's a whole story told around the Tauntauns that Han and Luke ride in the beginning of the movie are mother and daughter. And it tells their story from their perspective. And, and like, ah, it's just, I, I killed over and died and this thing and that thing, or where happened to my daughter. So this is kind of, this sounds like this is kind of like that. It's going to be grudge. But, like, but it's a cat, but it's a cute cat too. It's right? the best thing ever. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so this is going to be a blast. So I look forward to this. And again, uh, and this comes out in May. So, well, you know, this could be something that let's say, for example, we all read or listen to it. We should totally break this down in an episode because I think this would be a lot of fun. Um, normally I'd say no, but absolutely. Okay, very good. Then, <laughs> then you know, then it's a date. I'm going to I'm going to plug that into our calendar. So nice. um, do you guys either one of you guys real big on on the books in general? I've always read the books. That's been a, a lock for me since I was a teenager. I, I and I won't say I've oh my god, I've read every one, but definitely I go through periods where I'll really drill down, but I've transitioned more into audiobooks cuz I just cuz you can listen to them while you're driving. Exactly no. correct. Yeah. I just, I just I can't even hash out an hour a night to read comics, and that's how I get so far behind. And I do a show where I have to talk about comics. So yeah, if I had to do a show where I had to talk about books, that'd be different. But yeah. So um, but anyway, what's a what's a Star Trek book that you guys have you know, read you know read or listed the last couple of years that really fires you up? Anything? Um, I read the Picard book. Yes, I love that one. The one that because there's been. There's been two now. There was a Riker and Troy one that I just finished. That was about their time on the Titan, when the, you know when their when their son was their de- deceased son by the time we see them is young. Um, and then there's going to be another one starring Rios that comes out this fall. Um, so I love those. So Rich, how about you? The last Trek book I read was the autobiography of James T. Kirk, <laughs> which I love. I love the concept, and I think they're doing one for Picard. They or, did one. Well, they did they, one for Picard. They did one, and they did one for Janeway. Oxford sent it to me as a Christmas gift, as a gag in particular, because he hates Voyager. Uh, <laughs> but again, he he sent me a book book, and I am like, oh, when am I going to read this? So it's it's on the shelf. It'll get read someday. Nice. <laughs> Not that I didn't think it was a good gift. So I call them analog books. Analog oh, no. books because they're <laughs> because they're just book books. So yep. well, oh my goodness, that uh, that is the end of the show um, and the outro. Uh, I usually have, uh, you know, I, I'll let you guys flip a coin or you can split Let's, it together. Rich, Go ahead. why don't you do it? You want me to do the outro? The outro. Yeah, do the outro. Oh, okay. Uh, for more information about Starfleet International in Michigan and beyond, please visit Grand Petoskey and or Nomad on Facebook. The Code 47 podcast is a part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network and produced by Todd Oxtra. So dramatic. Thank it's you. Like, it's like Shakespearean. Oh my gosh. That's, that's why I asked him to do it. I knew well, he'd be good. He, he, he really did nail it. So, uh, <laughs> friends, as always, thank you for joining us. Very excited uh, to uh, welcome Aaron. Uh, and Rich uh, as permanent fixtures of the show. Aaron, of course, uh, is an officer on the USS Nomad uh, chapter of the Star Trek International Fan Club. Rich is my chief en- engineer over uh, on our ship, the Grand Petoskey here in Michigan. So this is uh, we're, we're all members of the Starfleet International Fan Club, but this will continue, of course, to be a show about Star Trek. Uh, you can find us over on Twitter at Secret Friends uh, Send us a Twitter over there. Let us know something you're enjoying. If it's about Star Trek 
or video games or geek culture in general, Star Wars, all the things that we cover, we will talk about that on one of our programs. We've got a great store over on TeePublic. Uh, you can search us out as Secret Friends Unite, find the logos to our shows, uh, T-shirts, hoodies, pens, pencils, weird stuff, all kinds of uh, what have you. does actually go to benefit uh, a charity very near and dear to my heart. Uh, here in the state of Michigan called the League of Enchantment, which does outreach uh, for kids' hospital visits, care packages, things of that nature. Uh, as I had mentioned, we are a podcasting network. Uh, you are listening to Code 47, which is obviously all about Star Trek. Our Holocron Chronicles show, which is myself and Mark Carabin, the Canardian, talks about Star Wars bi-weekly. Rich is actually going to be our guest on our next episode, which is kind of exciting. We're, we're somewhat incestuous here, but not in a bad way. Uh, <laughs> Todd Oxtra, who is my best friend and partner, uh, that we kicked it all off. We do the Secret Friends Unite podcast every Friday, which is your uh, general ed uh, in geek culture. Uh, and then Todd and the Canardian do the co-op mode video game podcast, also bi-weekly. Those are all available anywhere podcasts are found. We're also really close to starting our, our own website uh, for Secret Friends, which will have original content and host our podcast as well. Leave us a five-star review uh, on the podcasting service of your choice and get a prize from our fabulous digital prize closet. Again, thank you for joining us. That's the end. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.